Yes, and welcome to the Man on Second podcast on Real Voices of the Game Productions. I'm Joe Fersaro, joined by our producer, co-host Dave D'Agostino. And our mission at the network, as always, is to raise the baseball IQ of our listeners. And we pledge to do that again. And we are going to be at grassroots. We have brought in a good friend of mine, a guy I'm working on some business uh, ventures with, a guy who knows all about pitching. He knows all about the high school level. He's uh, been on the pro side scouting for uh, major league clubs. Uh, his name is Joel Bradley. But before we bring Joel in, Dave, I hear we hit some milestones in the past week since our last show, and, and we're kind of moving this forward, my friend. What do we got going on? Well, uh, thanks to our audience. They're paying attention to our intros where we ask them to the like and subscribe Download, listen, like, subscribe, rate, and review. They're doing it for us. So we hit over 20,000, which opened up our Spotify. It looks like we may be up to 40,000 subscribers after those numbers come in. So that's a tribute to the good work. Uh, our guys like yourself, Joe, and Jim Cott, whose show is doing well, and Kevin Kernan, we're coaching Kernan. And we got Mark Wiley, Will George, and Jeff Fry, uh, Kelly Franco through with a show on. But we've got new guys, too, Bob Schaefer, uh, you know, the assistant, special assistant to the GM for the Nationals, and then Jim Rooney, former uh, – former director of scouting for the Brewers and director of pitching. So we've got a great cast of characters on our show. Everybody's – oh, and Sal Marinello, think of all characters. Sal's the biggest <laughs> character on our show. And uh, I'm fortunate enough to be to be uh, producing with you guys and co-hosting with you guys. So, um, you know, just thanks to the audience. Keep rolling. 72 very faithful countries listening to us every single show. And we couldn't do it without you. And we've stayed ad-free till now, but now we're starting to get the people with the advertisements that are liking our numbers. So – we will certainly are listening to those now and putting out proposals and accepting proposals. So we're, we're in the middle of all that stuff now. So uh, Real Voices of the Game is moving forward in a big way, Joe. Yeah, and, and thanks to Dave's hard work and everyone at the channel. And, and thanks to our audience. We're, you know, thank you guys for, for tuning in. And, you know, and Dave, I, I say this a lot. One reason I really like this show is Real Voices of the Game, a really aptly named, um, you know, name for our network. Because Joel Bradley is indeed that. You know, Joel Bradley has, has a long history in baseball. Like I said at the very beginning, uh, he, he, he has uh, scouted at, on the international side. He's been with the Baltimore Orioles. Currently, he's in Broward County here near where I live. And he's the pitching coach at Flanagan High School. Uh, as noted earlier, we're working on some projects. And one thing we're very excited about, why I wanted Joel on today, is yesterday, uh, one branch of what we're doing, we're calling it the Baseball Highlight Network, the BHN. We did our own showcase, really focused on uncommitted players because there are many of them. And and we did at Flanagan High School. It was super hot. Uh, we all lost a lot of sweat, but <laughs> I think we gained some credibility and we pulled it off, Joel. And uh, and it's the beginning of bigger things that we're, that we're doing. Uh, welcome, my friend, Joel. And, uh, and we're glad to have you, my friend. Thank you very much. It's, it's a real pleasure to join both of you. Thank you. Yeah. Joe, let, let's talk a little bit about that, you know, uh, because you're seeing it at the grassroots level, obviously. And and what our mission was yesterday was, you know, what was your biggest takeaway and, and that you see that the market for the kids to get stuff, what, you know, people such as yourself, I like to include myself, Dave D'Agostino, and so many others who have blood in the game, who has sweat in the game of baseball for years, who want this to keep growing and, and you know, passing this sport down. What, what do you kind of see and what was your biggest takeaway from yesterday? 
Yeah, I, was, I thought it was a great opportunity for uh, for these players to be seen uh, more than anything else. We had a couple of uh, major league scouts, but we had uh, what we have like six, maybe Five seven or six colleges. colleges. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's the key is getting the right people to see what kind of talent is uh, being developed here in Broward County. I've been in Broward County coaching since 2002. I started at Deerfield Beach, and uh, I was I grew up in Texas. Uh, I'm like you, Dave. I played. Uh, all the sports, football, baseball, basketball, and played for a while in college and uh, eventually found my way to South Florida. And um, and then I just, I was a futures trader. I did a lot of financial things. And then I got, re- I was really convicted to start working with young people. I have an older boy and my oldest one was playing baseball. And I got really irritated at the coaches because all they did is want to scream and holler at these kids. And uh, so my wife at the time, she said, well, hey, you know, you used to play baseball. Why don't you coach them next year? And so I did. And I found a real conviction to work with young people. And, and I eventually left uh, my job in, in finance and became a, a, a teacher in English uh, here in Broward County and became a coach. And it was an incredible odyssey. Nonetheless, my first place I started was at Deerfield Beach. And, uh, and Deerfield Beach was not very well known for baseball. It was more of a football, basketball school. Uh, nonetheless, I had two future MLB players on that pitching staff that I started with. I mean, Mike Fires has thrown two no-hitters at the major league level, and Mickey Story is now the AAA manager for uh, for uh, Sugar Land down in uh, the Houston area. And um, and then it just kind of grew from there. Next thing I know, I'm being offered opportunities to teach pitching at different places. It took me to Douglas, and I had Anthony Rizzo with me. Anthony was a really good pitcher, of course, we, we know he turned into a pretty a, good first uh, baseman. <laughs> and it just uh, everywhere I went, I was just shocked at the level of talent here in South Florida. I mean, at that time, in, back in the early part of 2000, you had Matt Latos over at Coconut Creek. You had Sean Gallagher at St. Thomas, who's his double-A guy with the A's. And everywhere we went, David Kropp, St. Louis Cardinals, uh, Eamon Portis was uh, tearing things up, and he was double-A with the Red Sox. And Everywhere I was going, I was like, oh, my gosh, what is in the water down here? What are they doing with these kids? And um, it just kind of grew from there. And um, eventually it led me to work with a lot of guys. And and, uh, and that led me to being the pitching coach at Broward College. And eventually I left that and was offered an opportunity to work in the international scouting department with the Baltimore Orioles. And was hired by Dan Duquette. And my immediate boss was a guy named Fred Ferreira, who's a great legend in international recruitment and yeah, it's been a it's been an odyssey. But I left the Orioles in two eighteen and started a company uh, with some people, and we used baseball as a conduit to reach into communities and build uh, economies and build value. And uh, along the way, of course, I met Joe and and his son Jacob. And Jacob was a pitcher, he's a good ball player, and uh, that's how I met Joe. And and Jacob was an excellent guy, and now he's with the Diamondbacks. So. You just never know which way the journeys are going to go and who who come into your path, right? Yeah, and, and it's amazing you said some of the names you dropped. Uh, Fred Ferrer mm-hmm. in all my years covering the Marlins, those early years. Fred was was on the international side with the Marlins. Of course, he's uh, mm-hmm. uh, Vlad Guerrero. He's the, the guy yeah. who signed Vlad Guerrero. Senior yeah, Ernie Williams um, and and, uh, and and others and and you know and and I think it was Fred put me in touch with you, Joel, to, to come out and and that's and, and Jacob pitch. You know, Joel was uh, my son's uh, pitching instructor for yeah. for a while as well. And and you mentioned another name when you mentioned Sean Gallagher. Yeah. Sean, he he did hit the big leagues with with the Cubs, and hmm. Sean was working with 
one summer uh, in a, or an off season, I should say, before spring training with Bruce Haven over at Memorial West. And my right. son uh, got pitching instructions from Sean Gallagher. And then yeah, when Sean something. made it to the big leagues, Jacob went to a, a Marlins Cup game and as a 15 year old, maybe. And he's like cheering on Sean from right over the dugout talking to him. And uh, so, again, like we say, it's a small world. And, yeah. and for all our listeners, we try to bring home that uh, even though. You know, the big leagues seem far away and a, and a huge dream. The, the fraternity and the relationships built along the way are really right. what makes it special. And, and that's what uh, what we're enjoying doing now. But, yeah, uh, again, Joel's resume speaks for himself itself. And and, and Joel, what, did, what are you seeing from the evolution of players, uh, especially let's look at your forte, which is pitching. What are you seeing from even five years ago to now, the quality of pitching at the high school level? Well, well, I'm seeing more anything else is a real move toward technocracy, right? The, it's the science of numbers. Uh, Dave, I think we were just touching on just briefly, but it's the science of numbers and how that's filtered down into even prep, you know, into prep league. So uh, for me, you know, I talk to kids and they, you know, they'll watch Sean, you know, not Sean, they'll watch, uh, you know, Trevor Bauer, right? So Trevor Bauer is a guru and it comes to biomechanic analysis and, you know, drive line up in, in Seattle with Kyle Bodie. And these kids are real smart and they pick up all the information. And, and so um, I think I just see more of an emphasis on, uh, on the science of pitching. And so they're really into numbers. Of course, they want to increase their speed. And now we know we can move genetic markers through certain forms of exercise. And I just think that they've kind of lost their way along, uh, it, you know, as, as they improve, right? Because now it becomes just a numbers game. You know, and we see that with recruiters. Even yesterday, I was talking to a couple of the scouts uh, or a couple of the recruiters for some of the colleges, and they're like, well, I like this guy, but I need to see a little bit more velocity or I need to see a little bit more spin ratio. And the one thing that I've always taught, I teach kids how to throw strikes more than anything else. I never really focus on velocity because velocity will come to a large degree once they finish the calcification process, right? Once those bones have fused, then the velocity is going to jump. And I'll, I'll mention real quick with Mike Fires. Mike in high school at Deerfield, he was sitting 83, 85. And so he told me that he, he wound up going to Cumberland in Kentucky. And, and it was there that, you know, he finished his growth and he got in the weight room a little bit and he went from 85 to, to 91. And so, you know, for me, but he had laid the foundation for commanding zone. There's a big difference between command and control, right? Uh, Rogers Chapman, that's a control guy. That means he can throw the ball 102 miles an hour into a general area. But someone like Garrett Cole or or Max Scherzer, those guys, they can pinpoint, you know, the the area, you know, the zones that we that we kind of focus on. They can pinpoint it with three and four different pitches. And that's what separates, you know, the you know, number one pitch from a number five and, and all those things. So to kind of go back to center, I, I see more of a reliance on technocracy, on numbers and how velocity, the velocity centric, you know, mentality is really taken you know, is really taking root in, 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 with prep guys. So, yeah, um, I think it's a two edged sword. I think there's some value in it, but I don't believe my, I'm kind of old school. I'm more of a traditional guy. I just believe that, you know, that it's more important to command zones, to beat hitters with location movement and changes of speed, learn that. And then you can, you know, you can grow, you can, there's ways you can get stronger and get faster. And uh, sometimes I think the cart's ahead of the horse. Oh, I agree. I agree. Dave, what do you got? No, I, I'll tell you what, the, the, your community, Joel, is so fortunate. I, you and I talked, you know, before, but 30 seconds before the show, all anybody has to listen, I'm sure our audience is writing notes down. 
just how fortunate not just your community is, but also that high school, that those young men get a chance to experience what you know. And I just commend you for giving back that way. I, I think that's great Thank value you, and doing that alone. But the knowledge that you have is uh, very rare uh, and your ability to articulate it is phenomenal. I, uh, I want you guys to, to brag about this event that you did. Um, what could you, could you, could you kind of, I guess, I don't, I guess it's name dropping, but drop some of the college names that were there, the, the programs, drop some of the pro scout, at least the clubs that were there. And, you know, what kind of numbers did you have yesterday? Any big standouts there? And you guys can both talk on this, Joel or Joe. Yeah, yeah I'll yeah. take it. Yeah, you, want, you want me to yeah, take it first, Joe? Well, I was going to say, okay, uh, I want Joe to do it because Joe has done a phenomenal job. He, he's, yeah, I mean, he really took the bull by the horns and really got the word out through his social media connections. And we had a really good response. We had, what, 25 kids? and 25 kids, uh, yeah. But go ahead, and, go ahead and give some of the details, Joe. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the funny thing is, is it really, we, we didn't even – take a month we had joel and i have been talking about this for probably half a year but for serious conversation we didn't even pin down a date until mm-hmm. about three weeks ago yeah but, you didn't and, tell me yeah you told and, me about seven days ago you're like hey, yeah, about again. so we were just and we knew there were challenges because every date we were up against was a bad date meaning the the all-star game and the nlb draft was right. concluded on tuesday the the 11th and Perfect right? Game had a big tournament. And perfect going Game on. has a big tournament going on right now. Uh, there's a, a kid who's up in North Carolina, like playing USA baseball. Uh, there are other kids at East Cobb in Georgia. So, and you got you you literally had Noel Figueroa, who's uh, the head coach at at Flanagan, was basically, and we indebted it to to Fig for all he did in getting the field and everything, and and help recruit his players and others to, to mm-hmm. sign up as well. He yeah. was driving to Fort Myers last night because he's in a tournament today. And through um, and Dave knows Todd Hollinsworth because Holly's yeah. been a, a guest uh, of ours, and right I've down. known Holly for twenty years. And and I know his boys are, are playing. One just graduated, but he's got another good-looking kid on the way, and, and a thirteen or fourteen-year-old named Trey, who's a freshman, who was at our event. And Holly agreed to come and be a, a speaker and a guest instructor. So we kind of just—I don't know, you know—I. I, I'm a journalist by trade, obviously, and I'm, you know, I'm making, I'm going and finding an app and putting together roughly a little uh, flyer and embedding a video and and shooting it out. And we got like Joel and, and Fig are like recruiting the colleges and, and you know, I'm reaching out to, we would have had, Joel, we would have had three pro teams in addition to Arizona, if not right. for the draft being, you know, it, it right. was too late. So it, that end of it, we didn't get as many as we wanted, but still thanks to um, the Diamondbacks for sending someone. And mm-hmm. and then the colleges, we, we got them there and, and we, we pulled it off. And the beauty of it is the players bought in and, and it was about Joel. We got, and it's, there's heat waves going around the country, but we, even for Florida, we're under a, like a dangerous heat alert. And yeah. it was, we were frying yesterday and, there was no one complaining. All we were doing was wanting the water, and then we got it to them, and and we pulled it off. And I think it's a foundation, and it shows me, and I hope Joel sees it the same way. And there's a market for stuff. Oh, like that, your area is loaded. Yeah. You guys are in a high market area yeah. for kids that, honestly, when I was a college coach 22 years, pound for pound, that's the best area in the country of talent. But it is the most – there's so many kids in the nooks and crannies that people don't even know about that could be great at, in all sports. Joel, what was the format you set up with all your experiences? 
what was the format you set up to try to bring out, you know, the talent, you know, to, I guess to exhibit the talent in front of the people that were watching and in front of you guys? Yeah, you know, before I jump into that, uh, I just did want to add, as far as some of the colleges, because you wanted to kind of oh, know yes, some of the please. colleges that showed up, uh, we did have Dade County. Uh, Dade is a powerhouse, you know, oh, sure. at the top yeah. D1 JUCOs. Uh, we had Florida Memorial. Uh, we also had Alcorn State. Um, Barry. A good representative from Alcorn State. Um, we also had Barry University. Uh, J.D. Price was there. He, he's a phenomenal young guy, and he – he was really impressed with the kids that showed up. And uh, so we had good representation. Atlantis, Atlantis uh, yeah. was there. Uh, uh, we did have one cancellation. Uh, UIC, United International College, was supposed to be there, but they had uh, an unfortunate uh, something happened where they couldn't show up the last second. But we had, we had several colleges that were really impressed from what they told me, they were really impressed with the kids that showed up. And I, I'll, I'll add, Dave, with you, I, I agree with you, you know, South Florida, I've been all over the world, uh, especially in Asia and into Central and, and South America, and great baseball. The game's growing so, so big. But I'll put, I'll put the Tri-County area, Dave Brown, Palm Beach, I'll put these kids against anywhere on the planet. You guys, pick a, pick a sport, right? Absolutely. You can go to California, which is still one of the top, obviously, the probably the number one state in the union, uh, but from north to south. But you want to get a if you want to focus on the tri-county area of South Florida, look out. That's where and it's incredible bed of talent down here. It's just like I said, when I first started, I was just amazed at, at the level that the kids played at. And uh, so, yeah, it's a great recruiting ground for anybody that listens outside the state of Florida. If you're looking to improve your program, there's a lot of kids that are that are trying to be seen. And that's what the, the showcase was all about is well, trying have- to get these kids look, you know, looks by people who can make a difference in their life. And that's the way it was with international scouting. When I was scouting is uh, dealing with the Buscones or the Dominican or whatever it was, they, their whole focus was getting their players in front of the right people. And that's what Baseball Highlight Network is about, trying to get the, the clips of these players and get those clips in front of other people that can make a difference in their lives. I think it's great. I mean, now, we have 900-plus uh, baseball college coaches subscribed to our program. Oh, nice. So talk Come to, to South them. Florida. Talk to them. Tell them where to find you. Tell them how to reach you. Tell them when the next event is. I'm giving it to you. Yeah. yeah Joel, well, Joe, it. go ahead, Joe. Yeah. No, you take it. You take that part. Yeah, so – like I said, I mean, there's a number. We have another showcase uh, that we're we're in the early stages of early stages of planning. We're hoping to maybe probably do that in uh, middle of middle late September, uh, right before the World Series in October. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. We're still, like I said, we're still planning that right now, and I think it's going to be a bigger showcase. I think we'll have more colleges uh, and we'll have more players. I had uh, one of the top player, one of the top pitchers here in. Broward County guy named Gavin Gargiulo. Gavin was going to come. He's already committed to UCF. Nonetheless, uh, he wanted to throw in front of some scouts that were going to be there, but he had thrown uh, the day before, you know, unexpectedly in his perfect game tournament, and so he couldn't show up. But Gavin and these kind of kids are, you know, those are the kids that are showing up. They, they want to be seen. They want. They're, they're not afraid to compete. And um, I think that's one of the, the greater things that um, that I found, you know, in my travels here in South Florida is the level of, of, of the talent and also the desire. And, and these kids, they, you know, they have a lot. There's a lot that goes behind their uh, their journey, obviously. But character is a big part of this. We talk about the five tools, but the six tools really key. 
and uh, that's the that's the tools that you can't see to the eye. That's how are they in the classroom? How are they, you know, off the field? You know, are they, you know, uh, you know, how are they, you know, continuing to grow as people? And character is everything. You know, I could tell you some horror stories signing kids internationally that I thought just the physical talent alone. You know, I had a kid real quick out of out of Cuba signed. He's twenty three years old, ninety seven, ninety nine miles an hour. Could spin it. The kid could hit different. It was amazing. The kid was just phenomenal. But he came from a really bad area in Cuba, and uh, he was from a broken home, and he just didn't have the character that uh, the issues that I thought you know we should have done a little bit more digging into. But the information was limited. He took, uh, we signed him for 750000 And what happened was he went through that money within like three months. He was making it rain. And uh, he was buying $300 belts. And bottom line was that three months into it, he's broke and he comes and he wants more money. And we're like, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. You know? And he's like, well, you know, I'm sick or I'm hurt. And he just totally shut down. He wanted to get released thinking he was going to get picked up by another team and get more money. We're like, wow, you you know, you just don't understand how how Major League Baseball works. And eventually, he got released. And even though he had the physical talent, he didn't have the he didn't have that sixth tool, right? And, uh, and especially when you get in international, there's there's a lot of challenges, and we don't have to talk about that. But it does go back to what are recruiters looking for? They're looking for character. You know, how are they in the classroom? Out of classroom? You know. How are they, you know, constructing their daily their daily lives? Because you get into uh, into collegiate baseball, and their schedules are way different than high school. Obviously, they have to get up at the crack of dawn. They have to go eat. They have to go, you know, do their early routines, and they have to go to class, and they have, you know, study hall. And they so it's it's an they have to be disciplined, and that discipline really reveals character. And I think that's one of the things that I try to install with uh, the kids that I work with at Flanagan. Like I said, and Joe mentioned uh, Noel Figueroa. He's a great guy, and the whole staff over there is really good. And uh, and they're all about trying to get these kids to the next level and really installing what it takes to get to the to the higher levels. And uh, I really appreciate what they do. And and so anyway, the kids are doing really well, and we're we're excited about what they're going to do this year. And so uh, yeah, I think uh, if I were a recruiter, I'd certainly begin to dig into South Florida and dig in. You know, come out. You know, to Flanagan High School. You know, we'll, we'll open we'll open up our program to you, and be glad be glad to share with you what we're doing and and uh, what our kids can potentially do to help uh, their uh, the next level programs. Yeah, and there's a couple other Joe. I want to give a, a shout out to a few people on on this podcast as well. Uh, for one, uh, Dave knows our good friend Alejandro Puig. Uh, Joel met him yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, oh, great. Uh, Alejandro is a player at. Pembroke Pines Charter, which is only a couple of miles away from where Flanagan is. And and uh, Alejandro recently got a commitment to Dartmouth, and he was very instrumental in helping recruit players. Uh, he had He's dealing with a little bit of an injury, so he wasn't able to participate, yet he showed up and his dad showed up and in support, and they assisted in helping organizing the groups when the hitters had to come up and just a real positive young man. And we had him on the podcast a few weeks ago. And, and uh, Dave, that was a pretty good podcast, right? That hit some pretty good numbers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And and then others, you know, uh, uh, Howard Stein, the coach at West Broward, yeah. uh, who has long history with Fig and, and Joel. And he, on his own, he, he came over to help uh, help assist. And like you said, all the, all the coaches at, at 
Flanagan that chipped in. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I was filming the the outfielders. I was videoing them. And on that outfield wall, for those not familiar with Flanagan, said there's Mike Napoli, the the, the former really good uh, big league ball player. He went to Flanagan, and they have a little uh, his number or whatever up there on the outfield wall. Uh, so th- this is a very established program at, at J.D. Martinez. Yeah, J.D. Martinez went there. And, and, and others, you know, it's uh, like you say, program. Yeah. 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 And, and when Joel mentioned uh, Kevin Gargiulo, uh, he's at Stoneman Douglas, which just won their third straight state and national title. And, you know, these are the the type of kids we're going for, but, but Joel, I want you to talk about someone because we're going to give some recognition to this player and a few others that really stood out. And I don't want to seem like neglecting anybody yesterday because everybody really, I think helped their stock. But I think that um, our good friend Richard Bellow, your left-handed pitcher, really, really opened eyes if he hadn't already. And this kid's going to be one of the top lefties in Broward County next year. Talk about Richard. Yeah, Richard is an excellent – he's a, another student of the game. He he comes to me all the time. We talk about the biomechanics of delivery. We talk about the – you know the I think more than anything else, it's the mental side. And uh, Richard's a bulldog, but anyway, he's uh, he's a low three quarter guy. He's from, like I said, he's from the Golden side, and he's a guy who can hit you with. Uh, he's got great spin, but he actually turned into he, he, to get you to visualize him. It's he's just a, a smaller version of Andrew Miller. Now Andrew Miller was a crossfire guy and all those things, but Richard isn't necessarily crossfire. But the arm angle is so unusual, and it sweeps. He's got a slider. He's got a actually he's got a really nice. Uh, you know, uh, he, he's got a really beautiful change up that has depth and run on it. Uh, and so, again, he can command zones. We cleaned up a couple of things at the end of the last year and he just took off. We beat Archbishop McCarthy that was like number two in the county and they were highly ranked. And and he was uh, he was the catalyst behind it. He just shut him down. Then he beat St. Thomas and he beat uh, West Broward. And so uh, he really was starting to make a name at the end of last year. And he's just building on it now. And like you said yesterday, he threw so well. Uh, he threw what seven, eight guys, and he struck out like six of them. You know, <laughs> so, yeah, and just sending weak ground balls for everything. It yeah. was it was a mismatch against some good hitters. Uh, just yeah. you know, he can like you said, he's got a really good breaking ball. Uh, the fastball was up to about eighty six, and that's another guy who the velo it's going to come, but a lefty yeah. could put that ball wherever he wants. I have some video of his of of Richard that's already been posted on my social accounts. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and what really we're doing, good. we're going to get him. Uh, he's going to get, let's make it clear. The players are going to get themselves the next level, but we yeah. are going to assist in any way we can to help these guys get to the, that next yeah, level. Yeah, and we have another lefty, Braden Allison. Braden was there. Braden threw really well, um, but he's also a first baseman. His hands are really exceptional, and I know a couple of recruiters were asking me about him. I have Sergio Mondrain. Sergio's a righty, and he knows how to command. He reminds me a lot of Mike uh, with his deception. And um, so, you know, I think, the, look, I mean, it's a good staff and these young guys can really help themselves, you know, doing these showcases, not only at Flanagan, but these other kids. You know, we had yeah. kids from Pines Charter. We had kids coming in from, you know, from Doral. We had kids from Western High School. So we had a good turnout for uh, for others, for other really good programs in Broward. And, and like you said, you know, uh, you know, Howard Stein was there and Howard's an excellent coach over at West Broward. And I've known Howard a long time and. And uh, so anyway, same with O'Neill Garcia over at Western. And look, I mean, this is, uh, you know, top to bottom, not only talent, but the coaching down here is really good. Joe Franco over at, uh, you know, Coral Glades and 
know, Joe Jamuli over at Terravella High School, of course, everybody knows Fitz over at Douglas. And it's a power, it's a power area. And um, it's good coaches, good players, and good families. And that's the key. The, the families are really dedicated to helping their sons be the best they can be. They do a lot of training. They do, you know, like I said, they're doing perfect game. I'm kind of on the fence with perfect game, to be real honest. We don't, we don't have to dig into it. Nonetheless, I think uh, there's a lot of value in getting these kids seen. So what we're trying to do with Baseball Highlight Network is to bring together showcases and, and clip highlights of these players to get them seen, to help them, you know, continue in their journey. Dave, jump in. I love it. Um, Describe the format a little bit more, Joel. So that way, because we have tons of people grassroots and um, we'll make sure that the the next event you do, I'll promise you for 30 days leading up to it, our network will pump it to all of our subscribers. Excellent. And then we'll also support you. Maybe we'll talk off the air. We run a group one-on-one. We actually just got done with a double header today, but we, um, where we support these kids to help get to college. So if there's a, a symbiosis and we can provide you support down there, whether it's sponsoring something, shirts, whatever, or just giving you our support with helping these kids, um, we would love to do that. So, but, but well, that's right, before, you know. Yeah. Oh, what you're doing is right. You're, what, when you do when you do right, people want to be a part of it. So you can tell that from the two of you. But describe the format. How are you? How are you? Um, what What are the kids doing at the event? Um, you know, how are you judging? Yeah, so. You know, obviously they check in. You know, we had uh, we have a partner of ours, a guy named Tom Gaynor. Tom is a, a CPA lawyer. Um, we don't hold it against him. He's an awesome guy, big Boston Red Sox fan. If you hear oh, this, Tom, boy. shout out to you. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, so Tom did a really good job of putting together the online form. So the kids, over half of them, it, Joe, then we have about 15 kids that signed up online. Yeah, um, yeah it, it, even if they, you know, if they had to pay at the door, but they were, we, we got their information, Dave, everything included height, weight, school, uh, GPA, GPA, you know, which uh, a number of the colleges asked about. They well, wanted they to know, that, you know, yeah. they wanted to know uh, what the kid, you know, if the kid met what they were looking for. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, so that's how we started. I, it's a really good way to get, you know, to get these kids moving. We were able to to uh, start pretty much on time. Then uh, we start into the 60s. You know, people still run the 60s. And it, it basically, it was kind of like what I used to do when I was international. You go to a showcase in the Dominican Republic, they start out running a 60. Uh, we had one kid, um, even though he was a freshman at a junior college in Minnesota, he was invited to come. His name's Jeremy Mattis. His brother is with, uh, with the Diamondbacks. And uh, Jeremy is an excellent shortstop. He showed up. He's looking to transfer. And so we're like, hey, well, come on out, Jeremy. We can maybe help you out. And so he came. He ran a 6360. 6'3. And uh, I was like, oh my gosh. And so, you know, on a 2080 scale, that's an 80. And so uh, he's very fluid in the infield. But anyway, so we ran the 60. And then uh, they took a small break, obviously, because it was high, like Joe said. So they hydrated a little bit. Then we start with infield, outfield put all the outfielders in right field. They're making throws to third. They're making throws to home plate. Then we go to the infield. Infielders are, you know, middle infielders are over it short and they're making those throws. They're going deep in the hole. They're going short, you know, uh, the short, short balls. And so it's just like a regular aisle infield outfield. And then uh, we were, Took we break. took a little bit and of lunch break. Uh, it it's kind of, we were looking to take lunch or break at about 12 to 1230. But the uh, the sandwiches we ordered out got there at eleven fifty. So rather than do a batting practice round and then go on break, we took our break. And then when we got back, uh, 
they they took batting practice, which you know, with Todd Hollinsworth did a lot of the throwing until <laughs> uh, until the heat until beast, the heat got to Holly. Oh <laughs> but uh, he, he but Holly's fine. Uh, he, he wasn't fine for a while, but he's fine. And then uh, and then uh, Coach Fig he threw the rest. And then once we got everyone got their ten or so swings, I, I think two two rounds of about five each. And then then they did. Uh, we finished it up with scrimmages where. Uh, pitchers faced hitters so we got to and they, and they ran the bases so the pitcher got a chance to pitch from a stretch so, yeah it was uh, live on pickoff so yeah we went live and that and that ran us uh we were hoping to be done about two but we got done about 250 and all told that it, it was about you know everything was about as smooth as it can yeah I, I thought it really worked out really well for everybody the kids were able to be seen the recruiters were able to see that some of the kids that they had no idea about and they're like oh my gosh this is this is really good so they were really impressed with the talent and the talent was impressed that people were showing up and like i said i, I was really amazed at todd him he threw he was an iron man for a long time i was like oh my gosh and he wouldn't even take a break and i kept asking yeah. where you at one to ten when oh, i'm a ten i'm a ten Next thing you know, he's about to pass out. Yeah, it was. <laughs> he got yeah. the best of him in the end. Man, what a warrior! Man, I was super impressed with him. Yeah, and and uh, shout out. We're going to get uh, Holly on the show in a couple of weeks as well. But you know, Todd's a guy who's he's a father now. You know, he he always was a, a great family man uh, in the you know as his playing days. But he's got you know two boys that are now out of high school. Another boy who's uh, going to be a nice little player. He's got a daughter there. And, and he's doing, he's giving back in any way, and he wants to be involved with us in whatever capacity uh, in terms of putting together showcases. And that's what we're going to be doing. You know, we, we before our next one, we're going to, we're going to talk it out exactly. How do we want the format? We, we probably won't identically, you know, be identical and repeat this, but there are things we can tinker with. Maybe we do it over, certainly we're going to do it over weekend. You know, that's the mm-hmm. other thing we knew we couldn't do the weekend this weekend because everyone's going to be at the perfect games event. So, uh, you know, it's not ideal to pick a Wednesday in the summertime, but, uh, you know, next time we'll do it. Like, like Joel said, either late September, October, we'll, we'll go into a weekend and figure out exactly how we're going to make it look. Uh, do we want to, but down the road, I could see us, We'll be doing, you know, we'll be matching opponents. We'll try to get tournaments, bring in players from other uh, other teams, and 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 create opportunities that way. These are all kind of ideas that are being bounced around as we're building our network. Yeah, I think we can even uh, introduce seven, uh, the seven concept as we move this forward. Um, I think that's a great way to showcase skill sets. And um, explain so- that, Joel, because we were going to hit on that. Joel, for our audience, has has come up with a seven-on-seven baseball format, and which could be very exciting. That's the type of events that you could probably stream and get a lot of interest because of the uniqueness of it. But, Joel, take us through how that might look. Yeah, I wrote a book. It's called The Seven-Player Baseball Revolution. Uh, it's basically a training guide to faster, smarter, winning players. Uh, that's what's on the cover. So – uh, what happened was, you know, I started out, you know, coaching it, you know, I started out at Deerfield and then my journeys took me to other programs. I always loved the challenge of taking nothing and building something with it. And some of the schools that I, I coached at were uh, really challenged as far as the number of kids that would show up. Uh, one school I coached at, I had on average around 10 players who would show up on any given day. And it's a real challenge when you're trying to build things, right? 
And so it just made me a better coach because I had to literally show one kid how to take the ball out of his glove instead of he was taking the ball out of his out of the glove with his whole hand. And I was like, no, this, I had to show him take it with two fingers, right? And so, you know, you're teaching fine points of the game, and it really made me become a better coach. And along the way, what I found was that, you know, kids need to play as much as possible. And so I love going live. And I didn't have enough, you know, to really uh, to really construct a normal practice. So I would put seven kids in the field and I would hit three. And so I'd put two outfielders in the gaps and then I'd take my corner infielders and move them off the lines. And then I'd put my shortstop behind second base. And of course, I would hit my second baseman and, and, you know, the other two guys. So I'm hitting three and I'm fielding seven. And so if you're in the outfield, you're covering X amount of ground. You had to actually increase your coverage by 26%. And I explain it in the book. But nonetheless, it what I found was an incredible tool for player development because now kids are, instead of, you know, they had to have the discipline and hitting cutoffs and there's more movement. And now instead of having, you, know, you had to have flex position. So you're no longer a second baseman or a shortstop. You now have several positions that you're responsible for. And it was really interesting to me. And now the hitters offensively, they're more disciplined. They're not the big long swings were being eliminated because they saw space. And the whole game is about playing with space. And then two problems, the top two problems with baseball today is at the major league level. Number one is an aging demographic. The average age of the major league fan is 57 years of age. Average age of the NBA fan is 42. And Major League Baseball knows this. They they have incredible amount of they have reams of data to support you know, so many of the things that they do. Right. So what their number one problem is an aging demographic. That's why they what they come up with. They came up with ways to speed up the game. Right. So now we have clocks. Now we have bigger bases. And so their solution is to tinker with the game. I'm thinking, wait a minute, that's the wrong that's the wrong move. But what I but the one other thing was the problem is with player development. And so for me, it's like, well, the seven game produces better players. You want to talk about conditioning? My, my gosh, the kids are it's phenomenal to watch. And we'd play these games with seven players, and they loved it. And the conditioning was crazy. It was run, rabbit, run. But I wouldn't allow any of the coaches on the field. The kids had to use their own judgment on whether to take an extra base. And they're always wanting to take that extra base. And so, you know, singles were doubles, doubles were triples, and inside the park. So, you know, 30, 40 minutes into it, you know, they're exhausted. It's a lot of running, but it's a lot of skill. And um, and it's a great way to develop the talent. And that's the concept behind seven. And I just believe that, you know, this is where Major League Baseball is really missing out is, um, you know, their player development models are all about technocracy, like we were touching on earlier. You know, it's about spin ratios and, you know, launch angles. And they know that, you know, why are they having to change it? Why are we going to a 20 to 40 degree launch angle? You know, because they know that's where 90 percent of the home runs are hit, you know. And, uh, you know, zero to 10, you know, zero minus 10 degrees to plus 10 degrees. That's the power zones. Well, why are they having to change things? Well, it's because they turned over bullpens over the late part of the games, right? The back end of the games are turned over to guys going 97 to 100 miles an hour, and they can't put together hits anymore. So what do they do? They go, well, we can't compete with 101, 102 mile an hour fastball back to back, back, you know, trying to put together these runs. So what do they do? They start changing launches. Let's get them all back in one swing. And that's the evolution of the game. But they're losing player development. Player development is backwards on this. They're just teaching, you know, they're teaching the data analytics side of it, which I think there's value in, like Dave and I were talking about just briefly, there's value in that. But you can't really separate intuition and and tradition 
from the game itself. The game itself is based in numbers. If you go back and look at Henry Chadwick, what he, you know, he's the father of the box score back in 1858, you know, and, you know, the game is based on numbers and you can never separate numbers from the game. But what's happened in the game today has been turned over to technocracy. And so now we're saying, oh, you know, well, we're going to get rid of the traditional guys because they believe in the good face. You know, and the good face was, uh, you know, back in the day, the scouts prior to 1965 was when the first year player draft came around. Prior to that, they were just signing contracts. And because what did they have? They had the minor league system, right? And the minor league system, Branch Rickey started that in 1919. And what did, he, what did he wind up doing? He started just filling up. They started buying out, you know, all these teams and because they were trying to control costs and the farm system grew. And from that, scouts began to just give out contracts and they believed that they could identify a player just by his structure of his face or they shook his hand. You know, whether that's true or not, you know, that's that's for debate. But the technocracy side says, well, these traditionalists, they don't know anything about the game. You know, we're, we're going to destroy their image of, of, uh, of observation and they can't do it. Because if you look you go back and look at this, it's really interesting. Branch Rickey talked about an overstrider was the you, you, he would never sign a guy who's an overstrider. He said you can't correct it. Right. He's talking about the, the, the you know, this uh, this breakdown between upper and lower bodies. Well, if you look at a you go to Edgetronic, Edgetronic numbers are going to show the same thing. Right. But the numbers will tell them we're not interested in this guy because, you know, the bat speed is too slow, blah, blah, blah. But the traditional guys will, well, you know, I'm not going to say him because he's an overstrider. They're both seeing the same thing, but they're saying it differently in the way they do. Def- and so for me, the real question in the book that I'm just finished is called, you know, um, like I said, it's a battle for the soul of baseball, modern conversation. I dig into that because what is a ball player? You tell me, Joe, what is, what is a ball player? Dave, what is a ball player? <laughs> right? It's all subjective. You know, exactly. and they're saying, well, a ball player is this and a ball player is that. Well, is it really? You know, how do we traditionally define what a ball player? Well, we had the five tools, right? You can hit for power, hit for average, speed, arm, blah, blah, blah. You know, and so we have to really examine what is a ball player? You know, if yeah. you ask a dermatologist, you know, to, you know, if you say, well, the good face, well, the dermatologist can tell the difference between a, a freckle, you know, and melanoma. So they studied the face pretty well. And they kind of through observation, they kind of over years, they kind of figure out, you know, there's there's something to that. Even a poker player. Right. He's reading the room. He's going to make some money if he can read, you know, read the faces of the people around him. So there is something to the good face as much as we want to, you know, the you know, the saber community wants to blow that out of the water. And I understand. But all I'm saying is, I think both sides, like Dave was kind of touching on briefly, I, I think both sides, there's no right or wrong on it. I think we still need, you know, both sides. We need the traditionalist who, who's observed, who uses observation to divine talent. And we need the, the, the numbers people, too, because they can reveal some things that can really help an organization move forward and, and construct a, a winning, you know, a winning formula. So. I didn't mean to go too no, far. No, that was that was a classic, Dave. Right, we got about Joel Bradley in five minutes. Did he brought uh, Henry Chadwick up to Branch Rich, Rick, Ricky up to today and reading faces? So yeah, yeah. that was as as good a soliloquy of summing up a hundred plus years of baseball development. Yeah, right. And uh, but 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 the bottom line is Joel's right it, that uh, the the ability to play there's still something called instincts and feel and and mm-hmm. knowing the game and and knowing that if you do this x amount of times 
the pattern will repeat itself without having a coach saying four feet to your the left or you have to look in your back pocket to see where you're going to play the next guy. Uh, yeah. Dave, question. No, Joel, I was taken back by that in, in a really good way. And two things. One, the name of your new book is Battle for the Soul of Baseball. Yeah, I have a I had a two book deal with a publisher in New Jersey, is Summer Game Books, and uh, so I, we published uh, the Seven Player Revolution, which is more of a training manual on how to play with seven players. I think it's going to take off. I think it, this is what it's just going to help you know anybody that's struggling uh, with their program and you're trying to challenge you know your players. I think the seven game is a, a perfect opportunity to to help them you know, uh, learn the game, play the game and, and really stretch them because you're creating more space. And that's the whole game of seven. The game of seven is about space and uh, the challenges of space. And so I think it's a faster game. It's a more exciting game. And like I said, the other problem with base major league baseball is the problem with the younger generation, generation X and Y, they know that it's not, the game's not gaining traction with them because they're, this is a generation, you know, that's been weaned on stimulation. And, uh, and that's why baseball, you know, unlike all the other sports, if you look at the other sports, you have football, 11 on 11, basketball, five on five, hockey, you know, six on six, soccer, 10,000 on 10,000. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> I look out there and I just see a, a million guys running around. But it's always the same numbers. Right. But if you look at hockey, when you, a person gets penalized, they put him in a penalty box. And then what do they call that? A power play. That's six on five. But. In baseball, you start every inning with nine guys versus one. You want to talk about a power play? Oh, my gosh. And this is what I tell my pitchers all the time. I said, hitters have a tendency to beat themselves. And if you get in, and I'm not promoting violence, but if you were to get in a fight and you're the baddest guy on the planet, you're Conor McGregor or whoever, you know, he's going to beat you up. But you know what? If you have eight other friends with you, you know, power of numbers is going to take over Conor McGregor. Nine on one. And that's what we start every game, every inning in baseball. Nine guys. are It's a game of failure. And that's why baseball is the hardest of all games. It's based on failure. And so, you know, this generation, they, they want that constant stimulation and they're not used to that. And that's why they're not connecting with it. But I think the seven concept can answer two things and you can make a better player and it, it's more it's fun to watch. And those are the two, you know, two big uh, boxes I wanted to check off with the book is to create a better player and to make an exciting game that people would respond to. I like it. We uh, we had Dr. Kurt Ickes on and he had his first two books out, Win the Next Pitch. And you got this. It's on the mental game of baseball for youth baseball. And we promoted it on the network. He went to number one on the Amazon bestseller list. So oh, wow. we'll do that with you, too. Um, I'm not promising to be number one, but we'll pump it like him. As oh, well, but I think the concept—it's yeah, a simple little manual. Yeah, I, it's I, phenomenal. It's, it's just, I, I like the concept, and I love the new thing, "Battle for the Soul of Baseball." Um, you, when you were when you were talking and and uh, and you were going through your thoughts on analytics, and you were going back to the box score in the minor league system, you hit on a key point that our audience, I know, is eating up, and I want to kind of encapsulate it for them. Analytics isn't bad; it's the way they're using it right now is that carrot. And the way you're talking about analytics is exactly how analytics should be used. That's why your voice, I think, is going to be important as we move forward with this game, and especially with the, the new book, The Soul, uh, yeah. you know, because analytics is English. It's not math. Analytics is not an absolute number. It's a conversation, um, as you're stating. So I appreciate you making that point. Um, 
And I, and I, I love the way you put it in there with the stories and the history and, and whatnot. But our audience, pay attention to that message. Analytics is the English language. It's a conversation that's supposed to happen between old school and new school. That's right. I'm in the middle. So, Joel, your that's voice well is going to be important. Just keep pushing with that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's really well said, Dave. Um, I have a chapter in the book, and it's called Trouble with the Technocracy Curve, right? You know, Trouble with the Curve. I don't know yep. if you saw that movie with uh, Clint Eastwood. It's a great movie. And it was interesting because he's old school, right? And uh, he's too old, and he's too this, he's too that. And he could tell by sound, right? He could identify the tenor of, of a ball hitting a bat, whether the guy had, you know, you know, had the, the makings of a big league player. And they, you know, in, in that movie, it kind of goes into detail about that. And, uh, but like you said, we, both sides are right. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that technocracy is, is, uh, and technocracy has usurped the game, but you know, what's interesting, Dave, is that at the beginning of this year, Rob Manfred came out and he said something very fascinating at the beginning of spring training. He said that baseball is in a race to nowhere. Now, why would he say that baseball is in a race to nowhere? This is a guy. And again, what he's referencing is, uh, is, is the move toward data analytics, right? But data analytics has always been around. You go back to 1947, the year Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier, the gentleman's agreement. It was really interesting. That same year, they hired the very first full-time statistician, a guy named Alan Roth. And he was the very first one to come up with on-base percentages. And he, they began to really begin to dig into numbers. They had a formula of, uh, of offense and defense based on numbers and how to do it. And they wound up winning, what, six pennants from 1947, 1956. Really interesting what they were doing. But Branch Rickey was on the cutting edge of numbers. He's using numbers. Paul Richards, who I grew up in Waxahachie, Texas, and Paul Richards is the wizard of Waxahachie. And, and Paul Richards was another guy who, who who was playing around with early statistical analysis in order to make better players and, and to make better judgment on when to move you know people in and out of games. Really interesting stuff. And so what I'm saying is that numbers have always been a part of it, but it wasn't until 1965 when Earnshaw Cook created the, you know, it, it, it's called percentage baseball, right? And percentage baseball, he was a, actually, believe it or not, Earnshaw Cook was on the Manhattan Project and he was a fascinating guy, but he loved Ty Cobb and he set out to prove that Ty Cobb was a better player than Babe Ruth. And so he wound up writing this book called Percentage Baseball, and he dug into the value of, of, of bunts and hit and runs and steals. And that really set the set the table for the early 70s when we saw the, the science of American baseball research come into being. And that's Sabre. Right. And then Bill James takes that in the late 70s, builds a whole new army of statisticians. And then it began to change the game. And now then you had Michael Lewis coming up in 2001 with Moneyball and that really flipped it. And then when Brad Pitt took that, took that book and made a movie out of it in 2011, look out. Now you have a whole new generation of, of saber people. And, and that's where we are today. We've taken the, taken the science of numbers and we've said, Hey, tradition, you know, get on the back burner. But what's really happened Morning thing else is, is you dig into it is that, you know, the, the saber revolution is still there. I still believe there's value in it. Nonetheless, I really believe that baseball has kind of lost its way to a degree uh, just uh, because now look at the older scouts, you know, uh, they're, they're no longer valued anymore. They, you know, and I, I just think that, you know, the game has gotten to the point where Rob Manfred is now saying that, hey, you know, baseball is in a race to nowhere. And he, he was the one who was doing this. You go back to 2019 when Jeff Luno started with the Astros in 2011. He was the one that really set this whole new wave, right? Because they found out early on that 20, uh, they, they, they found that uh, the, the Astros figured out that 
over uh, that the vast majority of their players were never going to make it to the major league level. They found that over only 5% of players made it uh, after the, after the 20th round ever made it to major league baseball and made it to the top only 1% after the 25th round. So they go, why are we in, why are we, uh, why are we have all these players on the payroll just to play catch with all the guys who are going to make it? So we don't, so the very first, so that was 2011. By 2012, they went from nine affiliates down to seven, from nine to seven, and then got out. So Major League Baseball by 219, Manfred saying, well, we have to reorganize what we're doing with minor league operations. And that's where they came up with their one baseball policy. That's an unofficial policy where Major League Baseball has usurped all minor league operations before they had a professional baseball association that, I mean, the professional baseball agreement, the PBA. Now that's replaced with the PDL. And now Major League Baseball owns all of minor league baseball. They contracted the markets 26% from 162 down to 120. And that's where they are. And so you'll see they got rid of the rookie, they got rid of the advanced rookie, you know, the Pioneer League was destroyed and now the Pioneer League is just an independent league. And what they did, they just redirected player development to to the independent leagues. And that's where, you know, they save. Look at all the money they save. It's costing them like eight hundred million dollars a year, you know, to sign players in the you know 40 round draft. They save all that money. And now they'll just follow a guy, you know, in the Frontier League, in the independent league. And they're going, hey, we like that guy. And they'll buy out the contract for five, ten thousand dollars, whatever it is. Look at all the money they saved in signing bonuses and developing that guy. They're just going to let the independent leagues develop them. So they reshift. So that's where the pipeline went. And uh, it even affected colleges. Right. And now you have the portals in colleges. And I think that's another issue is, you know, the, the, the idea of what's going on with the portals in colleges. And but even at the high school level here in Broward County, kids are constantly they're constantly moving. It's a real problem. There are high schools that are recruiting you know, which kind of goes against the spirit of what they're doing, but they can legally do it because, you know, the county gives a window where anybody can, you know, Broward County has four, what, 40 municipalities and they can move in and out any, any as long as they have the seats available in any school. So if you're a kid living in East Fort Lauderdale, you can come all the way out to Weston at Cypress Bay High School as long as they have the seats and they have the seats. So you can move in and out and that affects high school programs, you know, and there's a real challenge for these coaches. I talk to them all the time, obviously. And, and it's, you know, loyalty sometimes is, 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 is lost in all this. And so there's more challenges, you know, uh, we don't have to go into much detail, but I just wanted to throw it out there as part of the conversation. Yeah. And I think that's a good place to, to wrap this one up because we, we kind of came full circle and you know, Joel kind of, as only Joel can kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> explained where, where the state of the game is. And it kind of comes back to the grassroots and, and I think, uh, the indie ball and the, I think it creates this opportunity uh, a different way. And how do you create that opportunity? And, and what we did this uh, yesterday on our showcase was able to give opportunity to kids who are still looking for, you know, a way to, to get themselves seen and, and create value and exposure for themselves. And, and that's what we're pledged to do. And, and, uh, I think Dave, you'll agree. We got a, a guest for for the future. There's many uh, many avenues we could go with Joel Bradley, but uh, part of what we're doing at the Baseball Highlight Network, we will be ex- you know exploring and trying to come up with these seven on seven type of uh, you know events and see how they go. But we we have some big ideas, and uh, and Joel, you're a good friend, and I'm and yes. happy to be doing you know business with you as well. And uh, thanks for being on. And, yes. and and thanks for all you did with the uh, with the showcase. It was a lot of fun. Dave, uh, final thoughts. 
No, just uh, thanks so much. I think I hear a seven on seven league coming on. Football does that. Why not baseball? Mm-hmm. That would be great. And uh, no, just thanks to our audience. Uh, you know, we got all, all those subscribers now. We're gonna we're gonna keep moving this thing forward. And I agree with you. I wrote about twenty five topics down that we need to be bring Joel back on one at a time. Just let him go. We'll give it to him. <laughs> you got the platform. Let it roll. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure to be a part of uh, the afternoon. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Joel. Um, uh, Dave, you want me to just wrap it up right now? Then yeah, you got it, baby. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, again, thanks to Joel Bradley, uh, and you know, for all that work we're, we're doing, we're going to build. We're building a lot here on our network here on this podcast, and and, and projects I'm working on as well. Uh, again, thanks to Dave D'Agostino. Thanks to our listeners and our audience, which is growing, and uh, and we're here for you, and we're going to keep uh, pushing it forward with with great new content. And with that, this is Joe Versaro, and we are out of here.